And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a great week. I know I am. Hope you guys are having a terrific week as well. Uh, great guest today, my good friend Aaron Bandler from Jewish Journal. Uh, he's been on a handful of times. I always enjoy um, talking to him. We had another great chat today. Had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties there at the end, so we, we kind of had to cut it short. Um, he was breaking up pretty bad, you know. The uh, wonderful world of Skype does not always work according to plan. But it was a good chat. Um, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Aaron, I need to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you want to quit smoking or if you vape already, you need to check out Premier Vapor. They have the largest selection of uh, FDA-compliant premium e-liquid anywhere in the country. It is really great stuff, really delicious stuff. Any kind of flavors you want, they have. They have every kind of battery, mod, coil, tank, anything you need. They have, check them out at premiervaporandlounge.com. Uh, they have physical locations in Perrysburg, Ohio, and Holland, Ohio. So if you're in the area, uh, in Northwest Ohio, or are traveling through the area, check them out. Uh, if not, premiervaporandlounge.com. You get free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. You really can't beat that. Uh, follow us on Twitter if you don't already, at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. We'd really appreciate that. And uh, two shows every Monday and Wednesday afternoon. The content will always be free on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, all, all that good stuff. But if you want to contribute, you want to get involved, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Podcast. There's uh, cool incentives uh, if you want to contribute monthly over there. If not, it's all good. Just tell your friends about the show. Uh, we are constantly trying to make this thing bigger and better for you guys. Without further ado, here is my chat with Aaron Bandler. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm here with Aaron Bandler. Aaron, thanks so much for coming back on, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I mean, we're always reaching out to new guests, and we've had a ton of great guests on lately. Uh, you've been on a handful of times, and I, I really like that I kind of have like a core group of people that will circle back every every two or three months and come on. And I think it actually makes the show a lot better to have familiar voices, people that I know are going to give me a good conversation and stuff. And so you've been on a lot. I've had Stephen Harriet on a lot. Um, Particella's been on a handful of times, and... Halsey English, and it's kind of like my core group of people that I, I talk to every few months, and uh, I definitely think it makes the show better. You know, it's like Ben Shapiro and uh, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, those guys have the intellectual dark web. I kind of have my yeah. intele- intellectual-ish dark web. <laughs> yeah, like the, and the, the intellectual dark web light, kind of, you know? Yeah, I mean, we're just, you know, we're the, the feeder team. <laughs> we're AAA, you know? A step exactly. down. We can't really compete with those guys. <laughs> I but, mean, uh, <laughs> me personally, you know, I'm, I'm still at, at the single A level, but, you know, working my way up. I feel like I'm at rookie ball half the time, but uh, I'm doing my best, man. <laughs> so before we, we get uh, before we get uh, into the news, uh, for people that don't remember, Aaron, is uh, he's from the Bay Area out there in California. He's a big San Francisco sports fan. And, uh, man, the Warriors can go screw themselves, dude. I mean, they sweep the Cavs, <laughs> who's my team, in four games is terrible. Of the worst final series I've ever seen. And then they go out and sign Boogie Cousins. 
I mean, go to hell, man. <laughs> like, what is? Come on, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, you know, maybe you know. It's funny to see that the Warriors do all this hate. It's like, well, you know, they're just actually good at running a basketball team. It's like you don't blame the Warriors. Blame like the other twenty nine teams who can't, you know, put put together a quality basketball team like they can be with the Warriors. You know, um, maybe maybe they should follow the Warriors model instead of like you know being like the Blazers and just like a big one and done team every year. You know, um, at least Toronto shaking up a little bit. You know, with that Kawhi trade today. Uh, but I don't know. I, I mean, that's still not. It's still, still a ways to go. So. Um, you know, I would just say to anyone who's mad at the Warriors, like, be mad at the other teams who can't put together a quality product. Yeah, I'm still going to be mad at the Warriors, though. Because, <laughs> okay. I mean, it's just, well, you know, it's, I, it's I mean, getting I, outrageous. I'm sure as a Cavs fan, I, I, I get it, you know, but your tears sustain me. There's a lot, there's a lot to say about that. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I mean, yeah. I have to find a new team to root for. I mean, I'll always root for the Cavs, but, I mean, the Cavs this year are going to be, I mean, what, Kevin Love, the janitor. The guy selling popcorn and a mop and bucket. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be bad. Maybe I'll root for, like, the Celtics this year. Yeah, or yeah, the, the Sixers, you know, are, are Sixers. fun to watch. The Celtics um, are going to be I good, man, with Hayward and Kyrie coming back. I mean, that's going to be a good team. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. I, and they, uh, you know, they got Marcus Smart back today. They drafted Robert Williams. He gives them some size. Uh, the five position, which they sort of need. So they're going to be a fun team to watch next year, and I think – you know, they might give the Warriors a little bit of trouble in the finals. Right. But, I mean, they so could... always be in the, the Warriors. So, I'll just say, I'm sure as a Cavs fan, though, you have to be somewhat pissed at Dan Gilbert. You know, after how that team has just sort of, like, spent all this money on, like, mediocre, like, support for LeBron. And they're all capped out now. That's, you know, followed by LeBron left. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, they gave, you know, J.R. Smith, like, $15 million a year. J.R. Smith. Who's yeah, just... well, and, and they threw $9 yeah, $3 million at Kristen Thompson, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Jordan Clarkson, I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm a Kevin Love fan, but he's their only good player. <laughs> Moving forward, it's going to be bad. It's going to be brutal, man. It's it, going to be yeah. brutal. Like, he's their only guy that's even like a, a starter, like an I, NBA starter. You know what I mean? It's going to be brutal. Ugh. Yeah, seriously, it's going to be rough for you guys next year. So, you know, I'll hop on that Browns bandwagon, I guess, right? You know, Baker Mayfield. Ask for that. I'm a, I'm a Steelers fan, so the Browns can. Oh, you're a Steelers fan. Oh okay, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I can always, you know, rest my head on that. I mean, they're going to be great, obviously. They are, although that Le'Veon Bell situation must be a little disconcerting. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm with the Steelers on Le'Veon. I love Le'Veon Bell. Don't get me wrong, he's a beast, but he's also an aging running back who's had knee problems. And, you know, we're going to get him this year. I think he's 27 or 28. So we get him for another yeah. year, and that's usually when running backs kind of go downhill anyway. So I'm almost glad that they didn't tie up a ton of money in a running back, you know, who's, like, approaching 30. So, like, I get it. Like, franchise tag him, get him for another year. You know, we don't know how many more years Big Ben's going to be in his prime. You know, he's, I think, 35. So I don't know, man. I think they should just go all in on this season, try to win another title and, and then, you know, draft another running back next year. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they, this might get a defense, you know, it's like that offense is obviously very explosive with big Ben and Le'Veon, uh, Antonio Brown, but it's like that defense was just, I mean, they got sliced up by Blake Bortles. See, that's how bad they were, you know? So yeah, it was uh, terrible. Uh, I mean, that, that I was, mean, that was the most painful game I've ever watched seeing Blake Bortles I'm hang sure. like 40 on, on Pittsburgh. I mean, honestly, at the end of the season, Big Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon should have gone to the ownership and the GM and said, do not draft a single offensive player 
or we will all retire. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, they should like seriously. threaten retire. Like get us a defense. I mean, they're the number one offense in football by far. I mean, yeah. Big Ben and AB are both first ballot Hall of Famers. Like, just get get a defense. Just go pay somebody. Get a defense. You know. Good lord. Yeah. Man, you guys got a what's his name that corner from Seattle. Oh, Richard Sherman. Yeah, I'm pretty I was pissed, man. I'm like, yeah. I wanted Sherman to come to Pittsburgh so bad, dude. But you guys, you guys stole him. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I didn't even see Pittsburgh as like one of the main suitors for Richard Sherman. So who knows what kind of interest they had in him or what interest he had in going to Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, no, it's exciting. You know, I have a lot of young talent now with Jimmy G. You know, I feel like anything's possible. You know, so um, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll be happy with both playoffs next year. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Super Bowl, like in the next, you know, a couple years or so. I think Jimmy G is going to be good. But how awesome is it that he did nothing and then got paid like fifty million dollars? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, he started like he, five he, games, man. <laughs> he did, but 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 they went they went five and zero, oh, and he tore up that Jacksonville secondary, which is which as I'm. Sure, you know, is a really good secondary. So, you know, I, I think he's worth every penny. I can't wait. Yeah, I know, man. But that's like you writing a couple good articles and then winning a Pulitzer. So it's not. <laughs> well, it just doesn't happen. I like mean, that. it's a little, a little bit harder to, you know, to quarterback the NFL and take what was basically like a one in ten team or whatever. You know, turn it like or sorry, a, yeah, one in ten team and turn it into um, a six and ten team. But by the year's end, I mean, that, that's that's really remarkable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll root for uh, I'll root for the I'll root for San Francisco, man. I've always hated the Seahawks for some reason. I don't really know why. <laughs> Understandable, but it's because they're they're douchebags. That's why. Yeah, I just don't like Pete Carroll. You know, he seems like a. Yeah, me neither. I, I just don't. I don't Slimy like him. Slimy dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so seeing either. you guys beat up uh, Seattle a couple times a year would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I feel like that they're on the decline now. Not just with Bush Sherman gone, but now you know, um, Cliff Averill's gone now. Cam Chancellor's gone now. Earl Thomas wants out. I mean, that, that team is is falling apart. And it's yeah, going to be glorious to watch the Niners beat them. Yeah, and Russell Wilson's awesome, but, I mean, he's had injury problems. They don't really have an offensive line, you know, and he's a mobile quarterback. Yeah. So he's he's going to take a beating back there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he always finds a way to slip away from pressure, but, I mean, I, I, just, I just wonder how long he can sustain that because that's just that's brutal. Yeah. All right, let's hit some news. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hope everybody listening likes sports, so they're just like, what are these guys doing? I don't know. They I will think, learn to love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get on board. I mean, sports is so much more fun than politics anyway, so, you know, we should, we should talk sports more more often. Uh, so anyway, the entire yeah, con- the yeah. entire country's melting down. Um, they're in full yeah. meltdown mode again <laughs> after Trump's meeting with uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin in Helsinki, Finland. I uh, Look, I'll, we'll get into what Trump said and—, and the aftermath, but I just want to start off by saying, like, I'm not outraged. I mean, I'm not. Like, I'm not that upset. I, I probably should be, but I'm not. Tell me where I'm going wrong. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I understand your point of view. I mean, I would just say for me personally, like, I, w- I was definitely, I mean, I still am kind of pissed at what uh, at what Trump said on Monday uh, in that press conference. But at the end of the day, you know, as Ben Shapiro has said, um, actually, it, it, as he reiterated in this week's uh New edition of the Jewish Journal, which you all should check out. Uh, I mean, he's saying that uh, you know, Trump's rhetoric while discussing it doesn't really mean much to policy. Just uh, uh, on policies, when it comes to policy, Trump has actually been harder on, on than Obama has. You know, Trump has armed you know the you know the, the anti Putin forces in Ukraine. You know, has helped arm you know uh, the Czech Republic and the and Poland. You know, the, ba- the Baltic states. Um, you know, he. He exited out of the Iran deal. You know, Putin's very pro-Iran deal. 
um, and, and so forth. So, um, and, and of course, also, you know, a bomb, bombing Syria, killing a bunch of Rus- Russian mercenaries there and so forth. And so, you know, even as Trump, like, you know, says all this stuff, it's like, in the day, all Trump does is, is say a bunch of stuff, and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily translate into policy. And I think, you know, I, I'm sure Putin was loving, you know, the the rhetorical victory he's getting from Trump. But at the end of the day, I, I don't, I'm I'm sure he's probably a little skeptical that he can just, like, walk into Crimea and not face any, not face any blowback, you know, like like it was with Obama. So, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think it's definitely valid to be um, outraged to an extent about Trump's comments, but to call it treason, to say it's the equivalent of Pearl Harbor, uh, Pearl Harbor. and so forth. I mean, that's just, it's it's ridiculous, you know, it's, it's disgusting. Like, you know, this is why people don't press the media anymore, because every time Trump says something dumb, the media turns up to 11 and, and makes Trump look normal by comparison. And so, you know, it's a, that's where I, I really do understand your point of view in that regard. Yeah, I probably would be a lot more upset if, if the media had been covering the Trump administration fairly for the last year and a half, but they just haven't. And, and the, the specific comments yeah. that, that, uh, that, you know, caused this meltdown, you know, Trump said that, you know, Putin told him that they didn't interfere in the 2016 election, which, of course, the Russians did. And Trump said yeah. uh, he has no reason to believe it was Russia. He also said, uh, somebody asked him a question about, you know, the tension between our two countries. And, and Trump said, you know, we're both to blame for that, which is, of course, ridiculous. America is not yeah. to blame for, for Russia invading Crimea. <laughs> That's not, we're obviously not uh, to blame yeah. for that. Um, and obviously, a, a day later, um, Trump changed course and said he misspoke. And said that he meant to say uh, that he had no reason well, to believe it wasn't. Yeah. It, it wasn't Russia. Yeah, which I'm sure is not true, but that's a hilarious defense. I mean, that yeah, is I, I mean that actually is really funny. Spin. I mean, he was probably you know, the, the he was probably is, lying. Right, yeah. right, he was probably lying. I yeah, I, I, of course he was lying. Yeah, but that's like honestly, I just laughed at that. I was like, that's that's hilarious. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, it, it is kind of pathetic, but it is funny. You know, I guess. It's, there are some people out there who take every word Trump says as gospel. I think most people are, are, are kind of dumb, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's it's still it, it's still valid to criticize him, you know, when he says, you know, dumb stuff like that. While at the same time realizing that, you know, his opponents are, you know, batshit insane. And and their, and their overreactions are, are, it's a, are, in a way, normalizing Trump's rhetoric, you know. Um, and that's why it's important to call them out and, and type of things to perspective and, you know, lower the temperature a little bit. Right. And Trump obviously should not have said these things. Drawing a moral equivalency between the United States and Russia is, is ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's, we have nothing in common morally with, with Russia. But this is how Trump talks. I mean, this is how Trump has talked about Putin for years. This is how he talks about everyone. I mean, whoever he's in the room with. You know, she's standing there next to Theresa May of, of England. And Theresa May, fantastic woman. She's doing a great job. She's a terrific prime minister. Yeah, and but that's just how he, that's just how he speaks. I mean, he just he's friendly with whoever he's standing next to. I don't know mm-hmm. why we should be surprised that Trump said these things. I wish yeah, he no, didn't, for but sure. Like, when, at what point are we going to stop pretending to be shocked? I mean, like this is this is Trump. I mean, it's this isn't January 2017. It's July 2018. You know, like, yeah. we can stop being surprised anytime Trump behaves like this because it's just, it's normal Trump. Like, I, 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 the media just pretending like they can't believe that he said that. It's like, well, of course you can. I, I can believe it. I've been paying attention for the last year and a half. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, I, I'm almost like numb to that kind of. Somebody says stuff like that, and I feel like, okay, that's, you know, that's that's Trump. It's like, well, did anyone else expect anything differently? I think it's also worth noting too that I think that's also just like when Trump. That's just one style when it comes to making deals in particular. It seems like basically his tactic is to sort of like you know be kind of schmooze up with the person trying to make a deal with, try and play nice with them, and so forth. It doesn't really work, you know, when it comes to you know these you know authoritarian dictators on international stage. You know, whether it's Kim Jong Un or Xi of China, um, and of course now Putin of Russia. Um, so I mean that that's just how he negotiates, and it's not particularly effective, but. Uh, it's not, I mean, it's certainly not treasonous by, by any stretch of the imagination. No, and I'd, I'd, I'd obviously prefer the Reagan tactic on, on negotiating with these people is that, you know, we win, you lose. <laughs> you know, We are the greatest yeah, country in the world, you're not. You know what I mean? But here's the thing, Trump's not going to change his rhetoric. I mean, it, why, why would he? I mean, he hasn't, yeah, I mean, he's been completely consistent. This is how he negotiates. I, I mean, guys, he's gonna be like, he's gonna be like this. Like, he's gonna say friendly things about Putin, uh, 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 you know, about the president of China, you know, everybody. Like, he's not gonna change. It's gonna be like this for four years, probably eight years. <laughs> you know yeah. I, mean? I think he's a very good chance of getting reelected. We can stop being shocked. Like, we can condemn the comments, but like, I'm not gonna pretend to be surprised when when Trump talks like this. I'm just not. And the the outrage from the media. All the Democrats in the media have to do is not be stupid, and they could. This could have been a huge win for the Democrats, but it's not because they're screaming treason. Obviously, you said several Democrats have said this is, you know, the Russians uh, interfering with our election in 2016 is is like Pearl Harbor. 2,500 people died <coughs> at Pearl Harbor. It got us into the Second World War, where hundreds of thousands more Americans would die. A war that resulted in us being forced to slaughter hundreds of thousands of Japanese civilians with nuclear weapons. So, no, this is not Pearl... Like, all they have to do is just reel it in a little bit, and this could be a huge win for them, but they're so crazy, I don't think anybody is taking them seriously. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And the thing is, too, is that I think Trump is really sensitive to criticism, especially from the right. So that's why it's important to, you know, to, to make sure that, that you speak out when he says, you know, dumb stuff like he did on Monday and try to get him to, you know, like scale it back a little bit. But if you have all this constant outrage where, you know, it's treason, traitor, Pearl Harbor and so forth, then all it's going to do is make, it's just going to make him double down uh, on that stupid rhetoric. And, you know, and then, and then, and then it caught that, that, that of course causes the media even more crazy. And it's this nonstop cycle of just, just overall insanity, you know, and it, it's funny to watch, but at the same time, it's not really good for the country. So that's why it's important to make sure to keep criticisms. Well, you know, obviously important to, to criticize them when he says dumb stuff. You have to make sure that it's you know the appropriate amount of criticism and not just you know hysteria, you know, like we're seeing right now. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, it's some similarities to the Obama administration. Obviously, us on the right, us conservatives had extremely valid, important criticisms of Obama, and then there was the fringe crazy people that were saying he was born in Kenya, right? But with Trump, it's all Kenya with Trump, though. It's, the, it's all fringe. Like, there's no, like, half the time they're not even bringing up policy disagreements. It's all treason, traitor, impeach, you know, like, you're a racist, you're not. It's like it's all birthers it's like like the democrats and the media it's like if everybody on the right were birthers during the obama administration like that's that's kind of what i'm seeing right now 
Yeah, basically, I, I think, you know, that, that the Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy theory is like the left's version of, of, the, of the birther. So, right. you know, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, ex- exactly. And it's just it's not going to get any better, you know, as long as those kind of conspiracy theories are being promulgated. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, change gears here uh, for a little bit, get a little philosophical. Um, I put up a Twitter poll last night at No Gimmicks Pod. Follow us if you don't already. Um, just asking who the audience believes is the greatest U.S. president. Uh, I just listed Washington, Lincoln, Calvin Coolidge, or Ronald Reagan. And uh, the results were interesting. Actually, the majority of people said Reagan, which is very interesting. Maybe just because, you know, it's so recent. Um, Reagan's still in, in everybody's memories. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I, I would go Calvin Coolidge. I believe Calvin Coolidge is the greatest American president. What do you think? Uh, I would go with Washington, personally. I mean, he's, number, he's number one. And I think it's, I mean, firstly, of course, as a general, he was fantastic. Um, you know, and the, uh, you know, the American Army defeated the Revolutionary War and so forth. But as president, um, I think he set an important precedent, you know, by stepping down after two terms. So he could have been, you know, like he could have been a monarch, you know, but he but he reluctantly accepted the position as president, and did a good job sort of setting the the, the you know the gold standard um, for presidents in terms of like you know how they should, how presidents should conduct themselves while in office, um, and you know I think the example he set really helped America become you know such a beacon of freedom uh, and liberty and you know the concept of living in government and so forth. I think Washington's example really helped. Um, establish that, and I think that's why he's number one in my my book. Um, so I would, although those are all good choices, I think Lincoln's number two, um, and, and then I would put Reagan at third and Coolidge at fourth. But you can't go wrong with any of those guys. Right, you really can't go wrong. And yeah, uh, Washington he could have declared himself king if he wanted to. He had the support of the entire American public, the entire military, obviously, and the entire government. So I mean, he mm. could have he could have, you know, declared himself president for life if he wanted to, and him stepping down. It's probably the most important thing a U.S. president has ever done because that's what really set us down a path of, of freedom, you know. And, uh, you know, Lincoln, obviously freeing the slaves and navigating the Civil War, he also suspended habeas corpus, which is, that's big for me. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't think I could list him at number one because of that. Coolidge, I really think, saved America. I, I really think Coolidge, well, I guess, I mean, they all, all four of those men did in their own way. Um, but we were just torpedoing towards socialism under Woodrow Wilson. And we were, I mean, we were heading towards socialism fast. Um, and, uh, and obviously with Warren G. Harding being elected, I kind of take Harding and Coolidge as a package, you know, since, uh, Harding died early into his presidency and and Coolidge took over. Um, but we were torpedo, torpedoing towards, uh, authoritarianism under Woodrow Wilson. I mean, it was getting really bad. And just think about the damage FDR would have done. Obviously, he did a lot of damage with his socialistic policies. But imagine if the country was heading down the path that it was under Wilson and Harding and Coolidge didn't correct you know, our path. Imagine how much damage FDR would have done if he, when he took over, the country was already uh, much further to the left. You know, So I, th- I think we'd be living in a socialist dictatorship right now if it wasn't for Calvin Coolidge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, th- those are all valid points there. So, um, you know, I definitely think Coolidge is a very underrated president. Um, I would just say in terms of Lincoln, uh, I mean, the hate his corpus stuff, 
mean, you have to keep in mind that it was during the Civil War, um, and he did, and, he, and Congress did. Uh, he went to at first. I think we suspended habeas corpus. The court shot him down, so then he went to Congress to suspend him, and Congress did, um, which is constitutionally valid. Uh, I, I think it's a valid argument to make that it was necessary given the war circumstances. Um, it, so I'll be my counter to that. Um, with Coolidge, um, again, I, I agree 100% with a lot of what you said there. Um, I, I would just give a slight edge to Reagan just because I think Reagan's presidency was a little more uh, tr transformational, and I think Reagan was probably a better statesman um, than Coolidge was. I think Reagan could have done a lot more had he not had Democrats in Congress, you know, blocking so many of his initiatives uh, and so forth. Uh, but, even you know, Reagan definitely was heavily inspired by Coolidge and referenced him a lot and both right. Reagan and Coolidge were and Lincoln too for that matter were very uh, fond of the founding fathers and cited them a lot and praised them a lot in fact Lincoln you know I, I know like one of the talking points from left is always like oh the founding fathers were slaveholders we shouldn't take them seriously and so forth what Lincoln always said was he actually used the founding fathers logic and said like you know these principles of individual liberty and freedom should should be applied you know to people who are slaves you know and, and that's why they should be free, um, you know, because slavery obviously goes against the principles of freedom, individual liberty, uh, and so forth. And ultimately, as Lincoln pointed out, um, you know, the founding fathers set uh, the motion, the motion in place, you know, to or had the steps in place to eventually end slavery. And you know, thanks to Lincoln, it eventually happened. Uh, so I guess the point I'm trying to make is that you know, all these presidents are all very good, and I think it, you know, we could probably debate for hours, you know, which one. Um, deserve to be number one and so forth. But you can't go with any of them because they all subscribe to the Founding Fathers' ideals of liberty uh, and so forth. Yeah, definitely. I, you can't really go wrong on that list. I, I can't see why you would uh, list Coolidge as fourth on degree of difficulty. <laughs> I think that is, uh, you know, if we're going by, like, the college football ranking style, like degree of difficulty, strength of schedule matters. <laughs> Obviously, Coolidge didn't have uh, the Cold War, the Civil War, or the Revolutionary War. <laughs> I mean, those are tall yeah. tasks. So, uh, you know, I guess on strength of schedule, um, you could rank Reagan ahead. Obviously, defeating communism without firing a single single bullet is a, a great undertaking. Um, who, mm -hmm. who, who do you think was the greatest Democratic president? Or the least bad <laughs> Democratic Or the, the least bad Democratic president? Yeah. Oh, man, I, I mean, think... that's where it depends. Like, do you talk, I mean... It, they were talking about, like, you know, Democratic Republicans, you know, back when they were, it was that part. No, excluding, then, excluding. Then Jefferson, but no, you know, modern-day yeah. Democrats. Yeah, yeah he, he, wouldn't, Democrats. he would not be, the Democratic um, Republicans would not be modern-day Democrats. They, I mean, they'd, yeah, know. for sure. Um, hmm, I would maybe, I would be, I'm tempted to say Truman just because, I mean, Truman did recognize, was the first president to recognize the state of Israel and so right. forth. Uh, and, he, I mean, he wasn't, like, that great, but he wasn't that, but he wasn't that bad of a president either. Um, you know, I think a lot of Republicans would, would say JFK, uh, and I think, you know, there, I, I could see the arguments for that, given that, you know, he did embrace certain aspects of free market economics and so forth, and he was anti-communist, but at the same time, you know, Kennedy was very weak um, when it came to dealing with Brezhnev um, and the whole Cuban Missile Crisis and so forth. He basically sold out to the Soviets, and he admitted afterward that, like, you know, it's like, yeah, Brezhnev played me. And right after that meeting happened, you know, they sent, you know, the Soviet one meeting happened. Um, Brezhnev sent a bunch of missiles to Cuba. You know, built a wall in Berlin, uh, and so forth. And you know, JFK was kind of a sleazebag too. I mean, there's all those reports of how the affairs he had with various uh, dozens, uh, with various women. So for dead dozens, 
dozens, dozens. Yeah. So, um, you know, so that, that's what I would probably say, Truman. Um, yeah, you know, I, but I, I, I certainly, I, I mean, but I certainly be open to hearing other arguments from people on the right about that. Right. I, I would, I would go Truman as well. Uh, handling, you know, the end of the Second World War. Obviously, mm-hmm. and recognizing the state of Israel, those are two huge things that uh, a lesser man yeah. would not have been able to handle. Um, yeah. You can make an argument with JFK, like you said, he did cut taxes. He was an anti-communist. I don't really think you can make, you know, excluding the early Democratic Republicans, I don't think you could make a case for anyone other than Truman or JFK. Like, even the, the late 1800s, yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, like Grover Cleveland, no. I mean, I don't, you know, any of those guys. Um, I think, I think, I think now with the rise of Trump, we're seeing some people on the right are, might say Andrew Jackson, but look at Jackson's record. No, like, <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. That's my, no, no, no. That's I, exactly my thinking too. Hell no, no. Yeah, the Trail no, of I Tears. Mean, I, I mean, yeah, Trail of Tears. You know, he was a brutal slave owner. Um, he, I, I mean, like they, they, there were some serious economic pants um, during during Jackson's tenure too. Um, boy, I actually wrote about Jackson actually. That's with the Daily Wire that that provides some more context about this. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean Jackson's easily in like the bottom third of presidents. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Wilson isn't. Uh, he's not in the Buchanan. I mean, uh, no, Jackson is not in the Wilson or Buchanan basement well, yeah. of of history. But he's not too far off, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. That's all I got for today, my brother. Thanks so much for coming on. Where can everybody uh, uh, find you, read your stuff, and uh, what articles do you have coming out uh, this week for uh, Jewish Journal? Okay, so you can follow me at jewishjournal.com uh, under um, the Aaron Bandler author page. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, uh, at Bandler's Banter. Um, I actually have, I have a piece coming out. Well, it's already online, but it's a little bit longer in the print about the Hispanic robocalls that that went out uh, the bay, in, in the Bay Area, actually not too far from where I'm from, uh, in favor of this Holocaust-denying GOP candidate, uh, which obviously is pretty disturbing, you know, especially since that's you know, from my hometown area. Wow. Uh, so, you know, I mean... I, and we lost Aaron at this point. I apologize for that, guys. Um, his connection was getting really bad, and uh, so we lost him. But we'll have him on uh, very soon with a better internet connection. Uh, but everybody check out uh, his work over at Jewish Journal. He's a fantastic writer. Um, follow him on Twitter at Bandler's Banter. Um, he's a great Twitter follow as well, and we always appreciate him coming on. Uh, I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.